0: All right, here we go. This is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio, podcast number one hundred and seventy. Can you believe we've done one seventy of these, sweetie?
1: No, but I love that number.
0: Um, And uh, Zen Parenting Radio is brought to you by BU Incorporated. BU, we got to get a jingle. Let's do it right now. BU Conscious Living Company.
1: We got to work on that one. Conscious,
0: it's a, I was better. My, it
1: was a conscious. It is a conscious living company.
0: That's right, and mm-hmm. we and we teach that through podcasts, blogs. We're going to talk about one of my blogs. Yeah, my second ever published blog. Published. Uh, and the title of it is I don't even know. Am what, I a good? Am I a bad dad? Am I a bad husband? No, neither. Silly title. I don't know. We'll see. So if you're listening, we ha- I have it on our Facebook page. Just read it and share it and help me feel good about my writing. Right? That's
1: right. There's, and you're not bad. Not. You were just trying to get attention a, with that title.
0: I, What's that for? I don't know. <laughs> um, so, you know what Zen Parenting Radio is, sweetie? It is. It's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom. That's you. Yep. And a logical, practical dad. That's me. Logical, practical, and a little Congested. Ill. Congested and ill and dad. And flu-y. You, you, you be ill-in. You be Illin. And... I be Illin. And we got some construction workers outside our door, so we're hoping they don't interrupt us. Got
1: all sorts of issues.
0: Otherwise, I'm going to raise heck. <laughs> we have three daughters, ages six, nine, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, that the best predictor of a child's well being is a parent's self understanding. LAUGHTER that for? I don't know. I just felt like doing it. Okay. All right. So here's our topics for the week. Um, I'm going to tell you about a good TV show you should all start watching. Cosmos. Okay. Sit down with your kids.
1: Is that what our show's about though? No.
0: Okay. Tell them what our show's about. Our show is about a uh, two sportscaster guys um, talking about a baseball player who went on paternity leave Mm -hmm. for a few days and they have some very interesting comments about it. Strong opinions. Strong opinions. And we're going to talk about that And then we're going to talk about uh, my blog, and we're also going to talk. uh, We're going to do a preview of this Friday's show. I don't even know what we're going to call it. What are we going to call it?
1: I don't know, but it's um, it's a good one, and it's our friend Katie and her experience with being diagnosed with cancer, and she was only thirty five. Yeah, and it's a very very compelling interview. I think it's probably the most compelling interview we've ever done on conversations with people. We love, and I think that it's not just about the. listening to her story and, and having empathy or sympathy for it. But I feel like I learned a lot by listening to her. Um, so there's, there's something to be learned from yeah, her experience. It's
0: inspiring. She's a wonderful, uh, storyteller for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. Absolutely. I mean, she, she's vulnerable, but she's funny. And if you, if you listen to our show, I hope that, uh, you'll listen to this one because it's one of my favorites. Like yeah. I've listened, sometimes I don't even listen to our show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the time I do. I got to be honest, but sometimes I don't even bother because Mm -hmm. I was there when it happened.
1: Are you mental? I was there.
0: Are you mental? (laughs) Um, But this one I've listened to a few times because it's so great.
1: yeah, it's very So, and
0: it's not our doing. It's Katie's
1: doing. Oh, yeah, it's funny. The the interview starts and she before we even started, she said, "Now, you guys are going to ask me stuff, right?" Cuz, you know, I'm not quite sure where we're going here. And we're like, "Oh, yeah, we'll ask you questions." We asked zero questions. Yeah.
0: She she talked she just, the first half hour.
1: It was phenomenal. So,
0: give it a listen this Friday. So, um, I think we should go ahead and start with these two guys. I don't even know their names. Boomer Syson is one guy, and he there's another guy, Carton, C A R T O N. So, do they do a show together? Yeah, they do. A, I think they do a daily show Okay. And, uh, you know, they're sports, uh, what are, not sports commentators, guests, sports analysts, no, not analysts, discussors, uh, sports radio, it's sports, sports radio okay. and they're just talking about topics. Like we talk about parenting, right. they, they talk about,
1: they, they probably sports. have no idea this discussion no, was going to become no, such a big deal. Unple-
0: so I will yeah. say that Boomer Siasen is actually one of my favorite guys out there because okay. he will go out on a limb and he's not afraid to make waves, but he's very thoughtful, I happen to not agree with him on this, but I don't want to demonize either of these two guys. Um, And I think it's more indicative of our culture than it is anything else. So I'll do my best to summarize it. So there's a Mets player who took a a few days off of paternity leave uh, because his wife just had a baby.
1: And it was the day that he was going to take off was his opening day. It was opening day. So that made it a little more...
0: Uh, Yeah, kind of a bigger deal, even though it's still only one of 162 regular...
1: Well, and I feel like it's almost less of a big deal because it's the first game of yeah, the season. Yeah, it's not
0: like it's the last game that right. you have to win to make the playoffs.
1: Right. It's it's kind of... It's more,
0: opening day is kind of a symbolic that, thing.
1: That's what too. I was going to say is, as I say that, I'm sure a lot of
0: uh, huge baseball fans would be like, no, opening mm. day is huge. So so we're going to play three clips and we're going to talk about it. Okay. It's, very that, it's that simple. So this first clip is about 45 seconds. So here we go. Boomer Esiason and some other guy in a red sweatshirt. For that, is
2: that Daniel Murphy is taking paternity leave to be with his wife now that she's had the baby. Now, it's one thing, obviously, when you want to be there for the birth of your child, which every one of us totally supported 100%. Murphy misses opening day. What's the reason? His wife's in labor. Nobody can argue that, right? But now to me... And this is just my sensibility. Assuming the birth went well, assuming your wife is fine, assuming the baby is fine, 24 hours, you stay there, baby's good, you have a good support system for the mom and the baby, you
0: get your ass back to your team and you play baseball. All right. So that's the first thing. Okay. Not too controversial. I mean, I think it gets a little more controversial as we go, but...
1: what I would There's say- a part
0: of me that wants to jump ahead to the next part, but I feel like I want to take it slow. Well, here's the
1: thing. You played this for me mm-hmm. whenever this broke two or three days ago. And I didn't go off the deep end about it, meaning it wasn't like I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. I'm not shocked by what he's saying at all. Right. Like you said, I don't agree with it, meaning I think that it really is indicative of that separation that we have between mother and father that somehow, as long as the mother is supported, the father doesn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because we just talked a few weeks ago about Bridget Schulte's book called Overwhelmed. And one of the things she said in it and she's not the only person who says this, but since this is most current, I'm using this as an example, is when you have children, when you are creating a family with your partner, you are together creating a family um, you are you know you're you're going in this together you're making this decision together, and that you need to set a tone at the very beginning of um, children coming into your life. You need to set a tone of both being nurturers and that 's not only to to relieve the mother of mm-hmm. pressure and stress that 's to make create bonding between the father and the baby as well right and asking a father. To be present for two or three days post birth, right? It's. I mean, I'm laughing because that's such a small thing anyway. Right. I mean, some paternity leaves in other countries are like months and months, right? So, to me, I'm not shocked that he says this, but at the same time, I don't think the baseball player is asking a lot at all.
0: Well, and 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 I think the way I would say what you just said is that there is a precedent that is being set one way or another. Let's say the uh, Daniel Murphy. It never takes paternity leave and he misses everything. There's a precedent there. Um, he is not there. Right. He's basically telling his wife and his newborn, hey, I'm not going to be around. Work comes first right. and everything else. And work obviously has its place and we'll get into that. But um, now let's go to the other extreme. If if this guy decided to take – apparently what the baseball collective bargaining agreement says is that they can miss three games. Okay. Which for paternity leave or just overall? I think it's for paternity leave. Okay. They can, and maybe it's like... So if he's a,
1: well within his He's well rights. within his
0: legal right okay. to do whatever he then can then that do. makes
1: it more confusing to me.
0: Well, um, these guys are paid to give opinions. Okay. So they're not saying he did anything wrong. Ah. They're saying... He
1: said, with my sensibility, yeah. this guy, he's like, I wouldn't do what he did. Right.
0: But that doesn't mean he's doing something wrong. Correct. He's saying, I wouldn't do this. So I, like I said, I don't want to demonize these guys, but let's... T- take the other extreme. Let's say this, the, the Daniel guy took all three games mm-hmm. and I'm sure that there would be much more heat on this guy from guys like these sportscasters to say, there's nothing you can do when your baby's first born. Anyways, you're not nursing the baby. You're not doing all these other things, which you know is crazy, right? which I know is okay. crazy, Thank you. but I will speak for myself. I, I think we said this on that Bridget Schulte uh, podcast we did a few weeks ago when you had our babies, I work at a company that would have been more than happy to give me, within reason, as much time as I needed. But after the first few days, I think I went back to my normal life. No,
1: totally different situation here. This is why you are a salesman and you either travel or work from home. Right. You did not travel for a month and a half. Oh, did I? And you worked from home. So maybe if I'm sleeping or the baby's sleeping, you were on the computer. Right. But you were in the house. Yeah. So was I doing more and being a martyr? Yes, because I needed to learn Mm -hmm. certain things. As I, The more children I had, the more that we came together. Right. Um, but at the same time it's very different than being mm. a professional baseball player who is not available and is in a different state yeah so you can't it's apples to oranges right you can't compare that
0: well and but I will say that although I was home I was still i it's not like I took full days off to help you except for maybe the first few days
1: no but you, you did not take full days off but here's the thing that I didn't have to worry about I didn't have to go to the grocery store i didn't have to you know I could and I didn't take very many but I could take a nap if I needed to if I needed help her if I was struggling. Do you remember how much I was struggling with nursing with JC? How I wasn't sure how to hold her and right. you would come in and hold her for me? I do, a little and bit. So you were present for what you know, I well, needed to
0: Well, I, I think what I'm saying is I if I could have done it over again, uh-huh. I would have done it a little bit differently. Of course, I, I think everybody said I think that. I would have been much more hands-on mm-hmm. than I was. You're painting a picture that I was very available and very accommodating. Right, and, and I'm not And I to, was not that available and not that accommodating.
1: Absolutely. I am not trying to paint an inaccurate picture because, like I keep saying, I was being... And I'm not trying to uh, criticize myself, but I was doing the martyr thing where I'm like, no, you go to your computer, I'll be fine in here. Right. Um, so no, it was not exactly... If you and I were to do it today, it would look very differently. But what I'm trying to differentiate between... Is you can't say, well, I was on my computer doing work, so this guy isn't really doing anything different. Totally different story. You were available.
0: But I will say that this guy's job is a lot different than my job.
1: He doesn't have the – but see, that's the whole point is people who do certain jobs, they do need to take Mm – you know, like you and I, and I've figured this out over the last couple of years. My job never – and this is – a lot of people can think this, but my job really doesn't have a natural end. I can always be doing something. Um, A baseball player, even though, of course, they could always be working out or doing things to keep – stay in shape. When they're not playing a game, they're not working. Right. Do you know what I mean? There's a little more. Is that correct or am I being inaccurate?
0: Uh, I think that's inaccurate. I think these guys are working all the time. They are lifting weights after games. But I just said
1: wellness, Mm -hmm. that's a, you know, that's a very different thing than going and playing a baseball game. You have a natural end to your work day, right? For a baseball player? Yeah. Well, the game is over. You shower in the locker room. You go home. A lot of you guys can't get work, on your computer and do more baseball work.
0: I th- Michael Jordan used to lift weights after every game.
1: Okay. Then maybe so, that's not a good analogy. Not to
0: say that, the, that there is not an end, but it's not, okay, the game's over at 10 o'clock. You're home by 1030. So... You know, I think we're getting off the track here a little bit. But baseball, these players show up three or four hours before the game starts. They play the game and then they do other thing after. So, okay. and it's a grind. It's 162 games.
1: And, and you know, I'm not saying there's a simpleness to it. Right. I, I completely have... Um, respect and understanding for or not understanding personally, but I have respect for what professional athletes do for a living. So I'm not trying to take that away. I was trying to differentiate between they can't if they're going to stay home on paternity leave, they can't do a little bit of both. They can't go play an inning and then come home and stay. It's one or the other. Exactly, That's what I'm trying to say. I hear
0: you. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's go to the second clip. Here we go. This one is about 35 seconds.
2: Uh, again, I got to hold on. Let me see if I can. You know, it's, that. It's, it's not. That's, I'm like, are you kidding you know, me? Bottom line, that's not me. I wouldn't do that. You you'd get back and you would play game two. Quite right? frankly, I, I would have. Um, ahead I have said C-section before the season starts. I need to be. I need to be at opening day. I'm sorry. This is what makes our money. This is how we're going to live our life. This is going to give my child every opportunity to be a success in life. I'll be able to afford any college I want to send my kid right. to because I'm a baseball player. There you go.
0: Okay, so that's the big one.
1: Yeah.
0: The C-section thing. That makes
1: me cringe a little you bit. You and I
0: have a lot of, uh, we believe very strongly in the natural birth process. If it's possible. If it's possible. Right. And, you know, that's there's a whole spectrum there. Sure. I think on one side of the spectrum is a... Planned C-section for the husband's work schedule, <laughs>
1: yeah, or the doctor's vacation, or schedule. or the
0: doctor's <laughs> vacation schedule. The uh, the opposite side of that spectrum is natural birth with no epidural, no nothing, or uh, birthing at home, right? Like right. that's like as natural as you can right. get. Right, So
1: there's this there's, there's this, this, this big whole
0: spectrum. thing in between, yeah. And we lean more towards the. I think if we were to have a fourth child, which we're not going to, but if we did, we would even consider home birth.
1: Yeah. Well, Skylar should have been. Born Skylar at home. was
0: pretty much there anyways. <laughs> she was born in the car. But that's a story for um, a different Yeah,
1: it is. So the the thing the reason that I cringe at that is because that's become so normal for someone to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that for those of you Todd and I've done a lot of shows on birth and just to kind of bring some of those things to light because they, they were in our first 10 15 shows. If you haven't seen the business of being born, I highly recommend that documentary that Ricky Lake did. Um, You know, if you haven't read any of um, what was what was Anna's last name? Gosh, I can't remember. I'm so far from having children, but there's all sorts of uh, books that explain. Why natural childbirth? And when I say natural, I just mean you know vaginal birth is so helpful to the child, and why that natural process is what's best for the health of the child. Now I have so many friends who have given birth via C-section because that's what occurred during their birthing process, and there's nothing you can do about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can back it up and talk about oh why did the, you know? But regardless, that's what happened, and that's how the child came into the world, and wonderful. Like, it's not about Todd and I criticizing the way you gave birth. But if we had, as a culture, had a better understanding of why childbirth is so important and the fact that women have the ability to manage it, and, you know, if that be with a midwife, if that be with a doula, if that be, you know, there's a lot of medical things that oftentimes get in the way of a birthing process, things that have been put into place in the name of safety but really can actually take a birth in a wrong direction right. and you have to bet cuz people will say to me I talk I used to talk about this a lot people will say to me but if I hadn't been in a hospital and had a C section I would have died blah 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 and I hear that but a lot of things happen before that like you were given pitocin mm-hmm. and you were maybe induced mm-hmm. and all these things happen that kind of set a stage for a a a non-typical situation for that baby right you know, like uh, you know, we had two babies who were two weeks overdue. Yeah. And there's a lot of doctors out there that would have said, "Oh, we've got to induce. We've got to make this happen." And Todd and I, from our own education, reading, and our own belief system, thought we're going to wait till this baby's ready to come. Right. If it would have gone much further, and then my stress test would have been bad, or my health would have been at risk, we would have chosen otherwise. Right. I think what I'm trying to say, because we can't do a full show on natural birth here is that it's become so normal to say, hey, this baby's ready to come. Let's just cut into my wife and right. get this baby out because it's good for my schedule.
0: Yes. And um, well, first of all, two references. We did two shows on this back to back actually at Radio.com slash 34 and radio.com slash 35. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but one of them was about um, the business of being born and then yeah. we talked about it again the next week. So those are two references. So if you're interested in hearing that, you can go back in the archives and do that. Um but yeah for a guy to so nonchalantly yeah, say well C section as it's if it's as if it's no big deal. Yeah. I don't even know exactly what happens with a section. I mean I know you have surgery. I know they cut the belly open mm-hmm. and remove the baby through mm-hmm. the belly instead of naturally. Um, and to do that because of a baseball schedule yeah. is way out of whack in my mm-hmm. opinion. I mean I can't imagine Doing that and under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just seems insane.
1: Well, and it's a mindset. You know, here's the thing is like you said, it's not about these men, it's not about demonizing Boomer, it's not about making anybody right or wrong. It's about backing up and recognizing how we got here. How did. (laughs) Back up, back up. Why did. Why have we come to a point where cesarean is more common than natural birth? why are we here and why are we in a society where we are more concerned about going to a you know to ma- and and here's the thing i'm not saying baseball is bad i'm saying that if in the what they have written you can miss 3 games because your wife is having a baby right. that's written in so why are we having our wife have surgery right. so we don't have to miss the game if that's already okay right. and this is another thing that um Bridget Chilty talked about in her book a couple weeks ago that we discussed the book Overwhelmed. She talked about how there are paternity leaves uh, put in place for men at some businesses, but she said it's the kiss of death because men still don't believe either that it's necessary or that they're worthy of it or that they will be looked down upon for taking their paternity leave. Oh, I
0: think that there's a male macho thing. That says you get back to work because your value is derived not from work, not exactly. by your work, but re- not by from how good of a father you are right. or how good of a person, how good of a husband you are to support your wife, but it's from how much money do you make. And the one point I want to make about Boomer's comments earlier is that he said, you know, this is what's going to make my kids' college e- right. education, which equals happiness. It's three games right. out of a hundred and sixty-two game schedule. His career, this man's career, Dan Murphy's career, is not predicated upon whether or not he plays these three games. That's right. So it's very easy to say, well, this is how we make our money. You're still making your money you are. if you miss these three games.
1: And you're not even asking for any kind of extra attention. This is part this of is your work.
0: You, this is what you bargained for this in is, the collective bargaining agreement. This
1: is built into your but job. But there's a
0: societal, cultural yes. thing that I'm sure in the locker room, locker rooms are kind of crazy place, right. and say, I'm sure that he... At least if he's not getting made fun of to his face, let's say this guy dis, did miss three games. I don't even know how many he missed. Maybe right. he missed one. But let's say he missed all three. Um, those guys would have been all, either all, of, all over this guy um, in, implicitly or explicitly. Right. Um, let's take it even further. Let's say the guy said, you know what? I need to be with my wife for two weeks. Right. And I'll suffer the consequences. Right. I mean, it would have been I, even I'll, worse. I'll,
1: less pay, whatever right.
0: that equals. It would have been even worse. So... The reason you and I are talking about this is to maybe balance out this argument a little bit that it's not that crazy, that it is encouraged. And this man's uh, livelihood is not predicated on playing these three games of baseball, but it's on being there for your wife. And to your point, a precedent is being set. So if this guy bails, if any father bails the day after the baby is born, this basically says, honey, you're on your own. Right. And work comes before your right. ability to do everything that you need to do, and, and it will filter from the first three days to the first three months to the first three years. And if you, if the father can set a really good precedent in those in that first week, saying, "I am a hands-on dad, and I will be a part of this," and you say, "Well, he's a baseball player; he's going to be traveling eighty-one out of one hundred and sixty-two games." Well, maybe the, those other eighty-one that he does whatever he has to do to make sure that he's there when he can be. And he, you know, he's, he's like uh, he gets three months off in the su- in the wintertime too.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing is the, the big discussion is not about these guys and it's not about this one player. It's about the cultural norms exactly. of our society. And it's about that in with this discussion and the fact this has become big news is because in our country we talk about the importance of fatherhood. We're starting to switch in that direction and how things are being shared and how, you know, it's becoming parenting is becoming uh, – a couple type situation rather than the mom. Like Todd and I had a talk um, with our moms yesterday on this show. It's a show that will air um, on Mother's Day. Around Mother's, Around Mother's Day. Around Mother's Day. It was a discussion with his mom and my mom. And one of the things that my mom said that I thought was so true, she said, nowadays, you guys say we're pregnant. She goes, in my day, I said, I'm pregnant. Right. I was the one having the baby. And now things have changed where it's become a family kind of thing and we'll say family is most important, parenting is most important, we need to focus on parenting, yet this is one of these times when we're not practicing what we preach. If you really feel, and then and then people say, but it's about money and it's about providing for your family. Like Todd said, you can take three days, it's built into your contract. So you're trying so I think what they're trying to say is a tough guy, a really guy a really tough guy who's committed to his work mm-hmm. would blow off this family situation yes. and would show up because that would determine his manlyhood. Yes. And that's what Todd and I try and talk about on this show is what is the true definition of manlyhood? Is it yes. being so tough and swallowing your feelings and pushing away relationships and saying the most important thing is just, you know,
0: my value is derived by the paycheck that I And my productivity. Provide.
1: Yeah. Or is it, a, is it both? Mm-hmm. Can't we have both? Yeah. Can't we work and do well at work and be a good baseball player and show up and be someone who is dependent upon? But because we have a contract that says we can take three days, can't we go be with our wife mm-hmm. and um, you know help with that – those – those beautiful—because regardless of if his wife needs help, mm-hmm. he may want to be there. Yeah. Have we thought yeah, about that? Yeah, let's
0: say the wife says, hey, I don't need you. I don't you. need your Maybe help. Maybe they said, I want to be there. Yes. That takes a very enlightened— 21st century evolved man to do something Absolutely.
1: like that. Absolutely, and that's the thing is, Todd and I live in a world where we end up talking to a lot of people, and hopefully you guys do too. Where men are making these shifts, we know a lot of guys who are stay-at-home dads. We know a lot of um, parents who split the the work, meaning they both work part time, or you know, they're both co-parenting, and so we see that all the time. And so when I hear something like this, mm-hmm. it's a little shocking steps to my system. It feel feels like, like step backwards. backwards, and so. But then I also believe that there's people listening to the show who would say, "No, this is exactly how I feel." Yeah. So you know.
0: So what we're trying to do is give voice and maybe get men and women to kind of rethink the way they think about certain things.
1: Yeah. Or just, yeah, view, step back and view why am I saying, you know, because Boomer's whole thing is because it's his job and he's bringing in the money and my kids need to go to college. Another thing we talk about on the show is what is success? Mm. Is success money and college or is success feeling good about who you are, feeling good about your relationships and know you belong somewhere in a connected family? Right. If we back up enough, we recognize that that's the gist of life, and everything else is icing.
0: That's the gist. That's the gist, baby. Um, our first partner is Free of Life Chiropractic Care. Dr. Kelly is holding a workshop in ear infections. Um, Dr. Kelly adjusts all five of us on a weekly basis, and her phone number is six three zero nine four one eighty seven thirty three. Give her a call and schedule an appointment, and tell them Zen Parenting uh, sent you, and Zen Parenting Radio loves you. <laughs> I'm a hard time. Are you Are you struggling? My eyes shutting. Okay, is that normal? I don't think so. <laughs> um, I, I've had a, the flu this weekend, and it's turned into a cold. Yeah, which is why I need to go see Doctor Kelly so she can put me back in alignment.
1: I know you missed your well. We all did. We missed our appointments on Thursday. Spring break isn't that ironic?
0: Blasted spring break. I know that's why I'm sick because I haven't gotten adjusted in two weeks. Yes,
1: let's just blame it on that.
0: Yet another testimonial <laughs> to why you should go see Doctor. Kelly. Two
1: weeks you haven't gotten adjusted?
0: Well, it wasn't it wasn't last week, so it's been like 10 a week or, and a half, ten yeah. or eleven days. True. Um, so this is the last clip I'm going to play from this little deal. And it is about 30 seconds. Here we go.
2: Assuming everything goes right. Mom's yeah, healthy. Yeah, yeah. No complications. Baby's no complications. No complications. Get your ass back to work. Normally, 24 hours after you give birth, worst case 48, you're home with the baby. Just Get back. What are you doing? I got 40s little rugrats. Hey, uh, did nothing to do.
0: <laughs> that guy's hilarious, sadly Is hilarious. He hilarious he's got four of these rug rats this, and that's not nothing to yet. Do. There's nothing to do. What about supporting your wife? What about sleeping with your child? What about helping with feedings in the middle of the night? Get maybe the kid you, you put the kid in another bedroom and you get up, get the baby, bring the baby to the mom so she can nurse. Right. And you said, What about
1: laundry? What about grocery shopping? What about making sure things are put away? All of you who have had children, you know how that first week is. There's like dirty diapers sitting around. You know, your, your, I, it's hard. It's so much work. And it's one of those things that if you now have three or four kids, it's hard to reflect on that first child because you want to think to yourself, oh, it must have been so easy. It's a huge culture shock. It's a huge change to your
0: system. The one thing I remember about like the first literally 24 hours we had the baby home. I feel like the baby slept like honestly 22 hours, yeah. but like on day three, all of a sudden it's, it's the chaos that begins. But I, I remember like the first day or two, I'm like, God, this kid's sleeping all the time. Yeah.
1: And that's, I love it when people come home with their baby and the first two days they'll be like, we've got a sleeper. Yeah, I'm right. like, um,
0: this is just, just the first way. couple days. Right. Um,
1: but at the same time, even if the baby slept 23 and a half hours, there are, there is emotional issues to attend to. There's There's being together, there's recalibrating what just happened, there's relaxing and settling in. And, you know, his comment, and I think he's trying to be funny, but there's nothing to do. Has he ever been in charge of his four kids all at once? Because I feel like that's a really crazy thing to say. (laughs) I'm in charge, you know, like when Todd and I are both home and the three girls are here, we're running around like crazy people. When Todd is traveling and I'm with the three kids... It's crazy. Right. So, what is he talking about?
0: No, that makes no sense. And I, I'll bet you that if he could, he could take, take that, that back. one back. Because yeah. we're just talking as if it was an only child. If there's, if this is the second child, oh my gosh, then as the dad hey, you are on with this two-year-old or this one-year-old or this three-year-old. And that's actually an opportunity for the dad and that one-year-old to bond in a way that they haven't been able to bond. And
1: that's not only good for the dad because they can make that reconnection. That child who is getting a sibling Mm -hmm. whose whole life is changing needs that kind of attention. If it can't happen... You know, we can't always be there right. for every minute of that child's sh- shifting. But if you have the opportunity to have your partner or you, you know, changing roles, be with the child who is getting a sibling, it's it's difficult for them. Mm-hmm. For those of you who have more than one child, you know they demonstrate behavior. Oh,
0: and what about, um, you know, I don't know if you got, uh, what's it called, uh, post no. Uh, post. Uh, Mommies get depressed after yeah. babies come. What's that called?
1: Uh, depression. Why? You and postpartum. I in our
0: postpartum. Thank you. Postpartum depression. Did, which you, uh, you had a little yeah, bit of that. Yeah, with
1: all three of my kids. Was it
0: worse with JC?
1: Yes, because okay. I didn't know what was happening. With all three of my kids, I had what I described as baby blues, which I think a lot of moms have just because there's a lot of hormones changing and a lot of releasing and, you know, everything is haywire. The reason why it was more difficult with JC is I'd never experienced it. Once I had Cameron and I was having those highs and lows, I knew what was happening. Right. Some people go into a more difficult spiral where it becomes postpartum. Right. Um, lots of people that we know and love had that experience where it gets a little scary yeah. because you feel very disconnected from your child and you feel disconnected from the whole thing. And um, that requires more attention. That requires professional attention if, you know, if you're really feeling afraid. Right. Um, but you know, but that can be very common, too. I think we're forgetting you know when we talk when they're talking about it, they're talking about it so flippantly and so almost like it's a business deal. Mm-hmm. You know she had the baby, the baby's safe, she's got support. I'm out right and th- we forget all the emotional. Pieces we forget all of the you know the psychological pieces to having a baby, and the regardless is if you're your first second, third, fourth, fifth, you know Todd, this discussion reminds me a little bit of our miscarriage discussion okay. because I feel like that's another place where a lot of people don't understand how difficult that situation can be. Right. A lot of people will say, you know, if they haven't experienced miscarriage, they'll say to a couple who has, well, you know, at least, you know, you can try again later, or at least you're okay. Or, you know, it was taken care of, that baby could have had an issue. They try and like push it off.
0: Try to rationalize it.
1: Rationalize it rather than empathize with the grief of losing a child. And it's similar in that in our society, we kind of, don't talk about it. It's kind of on the down low. And um, one thing that I know I wanted to do and a lot of other people did because I experienced miscarriages is talk about it openly. So we quit pretending that it really wasn't a big deal. And so it's the same thing with having a baby and being at home that first week. It is a big deal. And I give this baseball player a lot. What's his name?
0: Daniel Murphy.
1: A lot of kudos for wanting to be there and having that kind of relationship with his wife, that regardless if the mother-in-law is there or the aunt is there, that he wanted to be there. Well,
0: and what I was going to say is this is actually one of the curses of being wealthy. And what I mean by that is he's a baseball player, which probably means he's making millions of dollars. Correct. Which means that- People uh, expect a lot from him. Well, people expect a lot from him, but he has the, uh, um, the means- to bring in oh, help, oh, I see. So in a way, he has an option that many others don't. By you know, say you bring in a maid to clean the house every day for oh. your wife, or you bring in you know whether it's a mother-in-law or a mom or a maid or just a, a a mommy's helper, whatever they call them. Right. But if you don't have the means, then you might not necessarily have that option, which might kind of for lack of a better term, force you into having to cope a little bit differently. You know, because they can allow – they have the abundance to uh, create anything they want with the millions of dollars that they make, then – they can, he says, you know, bring somebody in. Well, not everybody can do that. So in in a way, it would be harder for that guy to make that decision that I want to be there because they can get somebody else to play that role for them in the house.
1: Well, and that's all about a value system because, again, another big piece of the show is doing versus being. right. You can have someone do things for you and you can get things checked off a list, but that's not about your internal... That's not a heart-centered approach to life. Right. You're, just because you can hire somebody else to clean your house doesn't mean that that is a reason for you to not be there. Right. It's not. When I'm saying the dad can do things, I, when I'm saying clean the house, I don't mean that needs to be his responsibility or somebody else's. It's a way of staying connected, being available, and taking part mm-hmm. in a family, a huge family shift mm-hmm. and... If it's that he just lays there next to his wife, you know, like that's one of the other things is when you have had a baby and your emotions are all over the place, you feel weird and alone and scared and sad, happy, elated, and then sad. And you're to be there as a support system. And that's the doing and being is the being is coming from that heart centered place of having that connection to those people you love doing is saying, well, we'll hire someone to come in here and we'll do this and checking things off the list. Right. So they're like completely two different things and it's a value system. Yeah. And, you know, ha- ha- what is most important to you? Right. Is it the relationships that you're building or is it saying... I got someone to take care of this checklist that I have.
0: So um, I think that that's a good way to sum up the uh, discussion on this. Okay. I, would, I would love to hear uh, from our listeners. We'll post this on Facebook and let us know what your thoughts are. Do you think we're crazy? Do you think they're crazy? Are we missing something?
1: Well, and can we – You know, I don't like discussions of huge pendulum shifts where these guys are jerks or whatever or – you. I like us finding a place in the middle. Like I said, these guys aren't bad guys. This is just the education they have. Yeah. I mean, and I don't mean education like, are they smart? I mean, they have been taught by mm. our society and maybe by their own families that childbirth is this and this and you can get a C-section and you can get back. They have been taught that. Yeah. So they are just regurgitating what they know. Right. What we try and present on this show is can we go deeper than that? Right. And and so it's not a- Peel back the onion. Right. It's not a they're bad, we're good or we're you know, or vice versa. Vice versa. It's can we see that place in the middle where, you know, because the bottom line is about this story is he is given a paternity leave. Can he take it without getting ridiculed? Mm-hmm. That's my bottom line. Right. If they bargained for this, why wouldn't they use it?
0: Right. Yeah. That's my bottom line with it. Um, so I want to allow you to talk about me here for a second, okay. sweetie. Um, my blog, Am I a Bad Dad? Am I a Bad Husband? I might be catch- no. catching you off guard, but no, I you, read it
1: before I came can down. Can you sum it up for us? So, Todd wrote a blog for the Good Men Project that was posted today, and it was about his experience with nature versus nurture, and it kind of lends well to this discussion. Mm-hmm. He was saying that. Um, he's kind of looking back over his history with um, taking care of the girls right
0: 11 years of fatherhood 11
1: years of fatherhood and how he's always made he has said to me for however many years I've known him Mo- this stuff just comes easier to moms. And I've we've always kind of been like, okay, and, and the example that he'll always use is when I was a little boy and I was sick, I didn't want my dad to take care of me. I wanted my mom to take care of me. Right. So Todd used something from his history right. to to keep making this point valid. Yeah. And a lot of what we're talking about with this paternity leave and with Bridget Shulte's book is about – Is it really true that women are just naturally better nurturers or do dads
0: have the ability to nurture just as well? And I think the answer is yes and yes. I think it does come more naturally yes. to women yes. generally, speaking, generally speaking and we do have the ability to yes. do it. Yes. It just doesn't come as naturally to me as it does to you.
1: And the dif- and what we have to dive into is is it not natural because of like you said DNA and genetics and mm-hmm. being a man and mm-hmm. you know and your chromosomes or is it because society has taught you something from a very early age and you grew up in a family right. which was generationally totally typical right. but was your dad worked and your your mom actually worked too. Yeah. Um, but that but your grandma was home, it was more female, yeah, it you was know very everything fem- was female right. focused, and so you know, you grew up thinking this is the way it is and and I a story that I told yesterday because we had a my brother in law was here, and I was saying that we gave him big props because when Todd and I first got married, we spent a lot of time with my sister and my brother in law watching them with their kids, and I remember Todd saying to me, "Wow, drew is really hands on with those kids." And it was kind of a new experience for him. Very much so. And it kind of started his wheel spinning. Because
0: my dad was around for baseball practices. He was around for a lot of different things, but he was not there for the nurturing parts of, uh, you know, when I was sick, my mom mom, or grandma, one or the other. Right. Or, you know, making lunches, you know.
1: Things that are more thought of being
0: maternal. Yeah. Right. Like old school little house on the prairie stuff. Right. Or cavemen stuff. Right. Um, so that was, so Drew, my brother-in-law was my first, you know, uh, specific concrete example, like, wow, men can do do this. Well,
1: and I think what you saw, you know, I'm, I'm getting into your head about this and you would have to describe, but you are so, and I'm using the word maternal, meaning you're, you're so like, you connect with people so easily and you have that natural ability to love on kids and Mm -hmm. to get them laughing and Mm -hmm. you feel so connected. And I think- that it was probably interesting to watch him be so interactive because you saw the relationship he was developing with Mm -hmm. his children. His children depend – my niece and nephew depend on their dad just as much as they depend on their mom. Maybe there's more – maybe they have some roles split out where they depend on their mom more for A, B, and C and their dad for – but they have a very connected relationship to both. And so to visually see, wow, he's really involved, you kind of get an idea of – the relationship that can be built here is tremendous. Well,
0: and I've told the story. I, I don't think I've told it on the show, but I've said it to you a few times. I remember being like a six-year-old boy and we we're uh, making we – we're in a snowball fight. And my older cousin, Mark, who was like 20 years yes, old, yes. and I got hit right in the face with a snowball and I was crying. And he came up to me and he's like, what happened? What's wrong? And I go – I was crying. And I, got, I said I got hit in the face with a snowball and he gave me a kiss. Mm. And it's the – one of the only times in my life that I've ever been kissed by, by another man. man that wasn't my dad. And I, I don't know what to say about that moment other than the fact that it stuck.
1: It meant something it to meant you. It meant something. And it, connected and it was you.
0: It, And I didn't think it was weird. I'm like, oh my gosh, another man can kiss me, a boy. Yeah. And it was very endearing and heartwarming. And, The fact that I only have one story like that, aside from my dad, because your dad, that's the way it's supposed to work. And my dad was very affectionate with us and I'm very affectionate with my kids. But the fact that this other cousin of mine kissed me on the cheek because I got hit on the face with a snowball, the fact that there was only one example of that... Tells me something about my upbringing. There's, men don't do that.
1: Right. And, you know, like there's that great scene in Jerry Maguire where um, that little cute guy with the glasses, Lipinski. he loves Jerry yeah. and he gives him a hug and kisses him on the cheek. And uh, Zellweger, what's her name? Renee. Renee. Nene. Nene. She, she says, oh, my gosh, I have never seen him kiss a man. Yeah. I have never. And and if you don't have an understanding of what a big deal that is, you may not find that scene as, as heartwarming. But- you know, men, boys need connection with men and it needs to be some, you know, our culture has gotten so afraid of that.
0: My English teacher, Jimmy O'Loughlin, freshman year, talk, told a story and I don't remember all the details, but it was like they were on the football field and it was parents' day and there was this uh, captain of the football team and he got kissed by his father on the lips Okay, and how he thought that was so powerful and how that so rarely happens and I kind of agree with Jimmy O. That was my uh, English teacher. That's like powerful that a father will kiss his grown son mm-hmm. on the lips, and that. And I know some of our friends gives the they have a reaction like, oh, that's weird.
1: Well, and that's depends on what you grow up with, because in my family, we didn't do that. We kissed on the cheek and hugged. You know, I came, I grew up in a very feminine family, meaning my dad was the only man, yeah. you know, in my family, there was all girls. So we always kissed and hugged and we were touchy feely and handholding, but kissing on the lips, we didn't do. I Do you do that in your family? I mean, you and I do, obviously, I but fit, you
0: I, I kiss my daughters on the lips sometimes, but not always. Well, Cameron doesn't let me kiss her at all. <laughs> for goodness sake on
1: the sakes. head she does too uh, yeah what i, she, I, what her I, head I in. she
0: she looks at the ground <laughs> when she knows i'm going in for a kiss <laughs> No, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No,
1: it's not, and I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm saying that's a cultural thing. Yeah. That depends on if your family, you know, if that's typical in your family. And and so in no way am I criticizing Mm. it. It's just what you're comfortable with. If you didn't grow up with it and then you're getting that at 25, it's strange. But if you grew up with it, then it's not. Um, And obviously, to your point, I got away from your point, it's lovely that a father could show affection to his grown son. In a
0: public place. In a public forum. Yeah.
1: And that's really, I mean, and so what Todd talks about in the blog, you know, going back to his blog is kind of going over all these memories that he has about allowing me to take the lead on all these parenting things, all these, you know, and he- the the way that he was able to allow me to take the lead is he kept saying she's more maternal I don't have that gene yeah and and I think the bottom line of the blog is is that really true and right. I think you're questioning you know, is it really true that Kathy has this more than I do?
0: Well, I challenge the reader to ask themselves that question. I'm asking myself. I still don't know what the deal is. Right. But it's something that was on my mind.
1: Well, and you used the movie Kramer versus Kramer, which was like from nineteen seventy-nine or nineteen eighty. It's an old movie, but if you haven't seen it, it was one of the first movies about divorce, Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman. And the whole discussion was they went to court over their son, and Meryl Streep was the one who left. Mm-hmm. And so you'd think it would be very simple that this dad has been taking care of. Of this little boy and been doing a phenomenal job, but the court side. You know, well, I'm not gonna.
0: Yeah, don't want to. I don't want to
1: r- ruin it. You, but because they've only
0: had 35 years to watch this movie. <laughs> Oh Actually, we got to go. It's we got to go pick up Scott. Oh,
1: okay. So anyway, read Todd's blog. Yeah, We'll read, put it on our page. Yeah,
0: um, And then last but not least, um, what do we have? Did you oh, talk about Avid? Avid Company. Painting. They're outside
1: our, our house right now. Yep.
0: They're helping us out today. Painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Their number is 630-956-1800. Um, what else do we want to You have two wonderful books. Self-Ware uh, Parent
1: and Self-Ware Parent 2. And a quick public service announcement. I've been doing a lot of sex talks lately for schools. Um, and with groups of kids around fifth grade. And my public service announcement is don't forget to talk to your kids about sexuality.
0: That's right. That's my PSA. It's too huge of a topic to let the school system tell your kid what sex is all about.
1: I I will talk to a group of like, I talked to a group of 57 girls last week and I can always tell who's had the talk and who hasn't by reactions and or just wait till the school has the talk and the door is wide open for you to continue the discussion. Um, But I just want you guys to understand that that kind of sexuality talk starts early um, and that they need to understand their bodies and have a respect for who they are as a being. What's this? Oh, you know how much I love this guy.
0: This is one of my favorite songs of all time.
1: I like this song because it reminds it, me of baseball. It gives
0: me an emotion. And it's April. And God bless baseball. I
1: know. I know. Todd's a huge fan.
0: Uh, two other things. If you want to give us a review on iTunes, I'll be your personal friend for a day. Oh, nice. Actually, I won't. But what does
1: that mean, you'll be their personal I friend? I don't know.
0: Oh, okay. What's it, an impersonal friend?
1: We'll read their their yeah. Thing. We'll
0: read your we'll read your name on the iTunes review, and Todd will be your personal friend. and will be your, and your spiritual friend. That's right. <laughs> He'll send you good vibes. And then we have that voice thing on our website. Oh, yeah. Voice memo. So if you have a question that you want us to answer, maybe we'll answer it on the show. But you have to go to our website. Uh, there's a little box there on the right that says uh, voice feedback or whatever.
1: ZenParentingRadio.com. So, everybody, have a great week. Enjoy baseball. Joe DiMaggio. Enjoy parenting. Enjoy your life. Go White Sox. Go White Sox. And Cubs for you Cubs
0: fans. Sox are 3-3 three and three right now.
1: Nice.
2: I'm ready to play today.